0: Hello and welcome to the Dr. Richard Podcast, a show about health, well-being, fitness and humanity. I'm not Dr. Richard Marks, as you've probably guessed by now. Uh, I'm actually Mike Hansen, the producer of, from Pod People Productions, and we've been doing the Dr. Richard podcast now for a number of months, and the feedback has been great so far. Uh, you really seem to be enjoying Richard's uh, intimate, but casual chat with people from all walks of life about their healthy lifestyles, building their brands, and also what makes them smile. You've been also asking, I um, want to hear more from Richard. What makes him smile? What's, what makes him tick? But as we're still in this uh, jubilee bank holiday frame of mind, summer is upon us, and Richard has kind of reached uh, quite a key milestone in his personal life, we thought we'd turn the tables for this episode, quite literally, because Richard is on the answering microphone on the other side of the table, where he normally sits, and I'm on the questioning microphone. And so, Dr. Richard, welcome to your own podcast. Thanks for (laughs) joining us.
1: Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) So let's start with how you start with everybody Richard and that's tell us three things that make you smile and these better be good because (laughs) we've had some good ones so
1: (laughs) I know and I'm asking everyone else this question so I think um for three things that make me smile I think about the things that kind of like really bring you joy um one of them I would say is uh travel because it's so great to experience different cultures and see different places um I've been to Japan, uh, Europe, I've been to India, uh, Mexico and North America. So lots of different places, which is absolutely wonderful. Um, Then I would say exercise, because obviously we talk (laughs) about that a lot, but it's a very good thing. It's something I try and keep consistently going and something that really helps with your physical and mental health. Um, And I think it's something that you might start finding difficult, but as you progress, you know, you really start to enjoy it. And then another thing I'd say actually is my job and my work, um, because once we get that result of, um, you know, changing someone's smile and someone's confidence it's such an amazing moment and um, it just makes them feel great about themselves and that makes us feel great too. (laughs) It makes us smile. Great. So I I thought you could be a bit more specific and say flossing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, flossing is good. Everyone should. (laughs) Everyone should floss. Everyone should floss.
0: And one of the other standard questions you like to um, ask everybody is kind of how you know each other. So people listening today would say oh Richard obviously just googled who's the best podcast production company in the UK and we came up number one by people productions uh, but that's not actually true um, we know each other before we start the podcast So you want to explain our connection Richard
1: yes well firstly I would say you are the best podcast. there and is the correct company. answer <laughs> yes a brilliant job on the podcast um, but yes through um, Colette who is your partner and is a patient of mine and is has also been on this podcast. She and has and who's a, a woman of many talents, many as you talents. know, um, a jazz singer, actress, and now um starring in this amazing uh biopic musical of Janice Joplin, Janice Joplin which I have seen. Which is amazing.
0: <laughs> and is uh, being
1: nominated for five
0: awards already, including Best Performance by Colette on the Off-West End
1: Awards. I thought it was really interesting because um, not so many people maybe here, you know, in UK know the story as mm. maybe in America. Um, but everybody knows the music.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then, Even if they don't know, they know. If When she starts singing exactly, Peace of My Heart or Me and Bob
1: course. McGee, they go, oh, I love this song. And they get up and dance. It's exactly. brilliant. Yeah. And um, five Mercedes Benz, <laughs> <laughs> and um, the other thing is she really brought the humanity and the rawness to her, mm. which was part of her story. And I do think she really became the character, which is a totally different character to who she actually is, and yeah, that's the mark of a good actress. Yeah, very it? much so. Good, good and,
0: and what's interesting about Colette, as you say, she's kind of a common thread through uh, this whole series. And, and if this podcast was a conspiracy theory and we had those bulletin boards with the red string, you know, tying it to how everyone's connected, the big picture in the middle would either be Colette or Nick Ead, I think, yes, between the, of all, the, right? all the, the guests that we've had. Because anybody who's looking at the YouTube clips uh, of the show, uh, most of the people that have been on the podcast have been clients of yours and have nice, shiny, white teeth. And people could be looking at me and going, what is has this guy been smoking a pipe for 40 years? What is wrong with his gnashers? Uh, because even though Richard is uh, very kindly offered to come in and sort my teeth out, at least polish them up a bit. I've not had the opportunity to take them in. So if you're looking at this, this is not the example of this is the before and we'll, we'll show you the after later.
1: Yeah, exactly. You definitely um, got to come and visit and, you know, experience the clinic. I would person. love to do that.
0: Just going back to the podcast then, um, what made you want to start your own podcast?
1: I think that I've always been um, a fan of uh, kind of interviews and things like that and, and finding out more about people, the story behind people, what makes them, what led to them to where they are. And you know, I'm interested in obviously um, fitness and health, um, but also how people kind of get from their place where they start to their journey. You know, and obviously we talk to lots of successful and interesting people. So um, I listened to podcasts myself, and I thought this is something that I really want to do. Um, because I often have conversations with my patients mm. um, as I get to know them. And um, a lot of my, uh, some of my patients have been with me for 11 years, you know, since I started the clinic in 2011. And I really get to know them very well. Um, and I thought other people should get to know them as well. And um, it can inspire people, I mm. think, and... and um, you know, you can always learn something from everybody. Yeah, um, and that's that's the interesting thing. Mm.
0: And what's interesting is also it's it's not just about dentistry, which um, people might think. Oh, a podcast about teeth.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's, 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 not, a... it's
0: much broader than that, as you say, because the people that you are, your clients, have interesting lives. And and the common thread is not just teeth; it's it's looking good and feeling good. And and we, what we say in the show description is, your smile says a lot about you. And if you're smiling, it's because you're happy and you're mentally doing okay. And if your teeth are nice and straight and white, uh, you're presenting yourself as the best you can. So, it's dentistry is quite important, but it also goes on to your physical fitness, your mental fitness, uh, mental health, and all that. So, it's it's a much broader than uh, chat about than just uh, flossing.
1: Exactly. Well, As interesting uh, as flossing is. It's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, the other thing is that um, where I'm situated with the clinic, um, which is in Mullerbone in the Harley Street area, that is more of a full medical area um, and there's lots of different clinics centred around uh, not just teeth and dental but the whole um, body, wellness um, and health. And I thought... I just don't just want to concentrate on the teeth. We're only one part of the whole well-being of someone. And Mm. I work together with a lot of people in my area. And, um, you know, I wanted to kind of tie that whole health and well-being. Create a sort
0: of medical community.
1: Exactly. A wellness community, maybe. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's really important because it's um, a lot of people talk about um, how you can Uh, be successful in your journey through life but people the wellness behind it is is a good part of how you know you need to navigate that Mm -hmm. so i think it's really important
0: very important and let's then go back to the beginning and just uh how did you get into dentistry in the first place what um did it a little Four-year-old Richard, when, when he was at school, and said, what do you want to be in your up?" He said, I, I want to polish people's teeth and make <laughs> well, down their gullets <laughs> before
1: living. I know, why, why? <laughs> I know, um, why would anyone want to do that? <laughs> no, um, it's an interesting story because um, my grandfather was actually the first... Um, Dentist in our family and he came from Portugal Mm. and um, just after the war and he studied in the Durham Newcastle area um, where he met my grandmother who was English and then um, he had his own um, practice um, around women in Bedfordshire and then um, my father was a dentist Mm. and in fact my father, uncle and mother we all at the same dental wow. school, which is where my father and mother met. Um, right. My mother's from Chiswick, and, and um, they studied dentistry together, and that's where they met. So it's been really instrumental in my life, you know. Kind
0: of in your DNA, it sounds like.
1: Exactly. And then um, I used to kind of shadow my father and see him working, and I thought, you know, He always had a great passion for what he did. Um, He was always happy, always smiling, and um, he worked really hard. And I thought, you know, I want to be like him, you know, Mm. but my own version. (laughs) Yeah. So um, he definitely inspired me. Um, There was a time when I was thinking of other things. Like what? I did think of medicine, actually, Um, um, both uh, medical... Um, doctor and also surgeon as well. Um, But I felt like because I had all this support within dentistry Mm. that can further me and, you know, it's great to have mentors and even my uncle was a great mentor to me. He um, was really interested in aesthetic and cosmetic dentistry, really pushing the forefront and boundaries. And he still is, Um, Mm. you know, uh, he's practicing around the Cotswolds area now. And, um, it kind of taught me a lot and, and inspired me and made me think, wow, what can I do um, in this profession? And now technology moves so fast and there's great new innovations and materials and uh, digital dentistry and you can do even more.
0: Yeah, What, do, what does that mean? Because you've, you've used that phrase in previous episodes and I've never quite understood what you meant by digital dentistry. It's not like, is it literally Doing a Zoom and picking up people's teeth <laughs> or is it...
1: Well, we do now sometimes do pre consultations by video or Zoom, mm. but we obviously can't do the intraoral examination. But we can sometimes, if someone's interested in a treatment and they can't uh, perhaps live a bit further away, we can do a pre consultation. Um, via video just to we can obviously see the teeth and talk about it and give them an idea of the treatment plan and then they can come in have the actual examination Um, but there's more than that Um, with dentistry there was a lot of innovation in dental materials obviously uh, like the metal fillings being replaced with white and tooth colored materials Mm. but digital dentistry and really using technology only came in um in the last few years really and um, one example of that is there's a digital impression where you don't use the impression material and the impression tray you use uh intraoral camera which takes lots of photos of the teeth very very at high speed and splices them together and it produces a digital rendering or a scan of the 3d scan of the teeth And we can use that to then um, 3D print things like uh, liners, which straighten the teeth. Um, We can also use it to 3D print um, ceramics like crowns or bridges and veneers. And we can also use it to assess um, gums and teeth and look at the teeth in a close detail. So there's a lot that can be done. Mm. Um, And that's really kind of one of the forefront Parts of digital events. And is
0: that difficult for you to, to keep um, on top of the latest innovations? Because it sounds like you're probably perpetually training or retraining or, yeah, or learning yeah, something absolutely. new, which is exciting,
1: but also must be whew, a
0: lot. Wow, what, what now?
1: I know. What they say is that um, it, lifelong learning is really important. Um, we have something called CPD, uh, which is continuing professional development. And with there might have been times where a dentist would think back some time ago i qualify and you know i learned to do fillings and then that's it Mm. but now it's more about um learning the new innovations that come along the new technologies and i think that actually keeps it interesting Mm -hmm. if you're always learning then you're never bored bored. you're never bored yeah yeah. exactly and And, never complacent too i guess exactly i think it's when it becomes repetitive and uh, systematic Mm -hmm. that you can lose the kind of love of the job yeah well whilst um technology and uh, methods and gentle dentistry um, is kind of evolving, you're always learning something new. And that makes it exciting and means you can provide even am- more amazing things to your patients. Mm. And so everyone's happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then how did you start the clinic? Because you said it started about 11 years ago. So you've been practicing longer now, I, I take it. So you started conventionally working for someone else in a bigger clinic. And then what made you decide that no, I need to open? The dr richard clinic and not only that but in harley street
1: like the the, oh, the epicenter <laughs> of uh
0: you know top level medical care how did what yeah, what, what well,
1: drove you there so with our degree it's five year degree so that was 2000 to 2005 um so i was only 18 when i started that degree and then You come out around 22, 23, and they're like, start being a dentist. Mm. Um, But you do an apprenticeship year, um, which is called VIGT, or vocational training, where you um, kind of uh, work under a principal and learn a bit more about dentistry. You generally will start on the NHS and and do a lot of... um, uh, kind of things on the health service and um, trying you know giving back and which is really important it's a good way to start and it's a good way to learn um how to care for people um and then after that um you do postgraduate courses and kind of build up your skills if you wish to um, and most dentists now have a niche um, i was
0: going to say so there's a particular
1: uh area of expertise that you, you would excel at or, or exactly. uh, focus on. Exactly. Because dentistry has become so advanced, it's to be kind of like a jack of all trades. It's more difficult to do something well. It's better to do something well. So we tend to go towards a specific area. Um, there's areas which are actual specialisms such as orthodontics or um, endodontics, which is root. Re- treatments and periodontics which is gums and then there's um more broader disciplines like aesthetic and cosmetic dentistry um uh, composite bonding and also there's many other different specialities and many other different areas of dentistry so yeah you kind of find that area that really you're passionate about mm-hmm. dental implants. That's another one. For me, aesthetics was something I was interested in. Um, that making people smile is a great feeling and it's a it's a wonderful thing to do. Um, and what, my uncle was like a real mentor and that, that's something that he does. Um, he's Michael Marks. All right. <laughs> and um, he's very passionate about it. And um, he done courses all over the world and um He had a clinic in Australia and he also worked in the area that I work in now, in the Harley Street area. And so, um, yeah, after being qualified from 2005 and working in many, many different areas, building up my skills and finding what was right for me, then I started in 2011 and I thought, you know, let's open my own clinic. And my grandfather had had his own clinic, my father, my uncle. And so they were really keen that, we start our own thing rather than kind of just following the footsteps of you know your parents and do something for yourself so um yeah it was a scary moment and uh, a great well it must be it must be and
0: because there must have been things that you probably hadn't considered that's probably not taught at school and that's kind of the business side so you would have to hire receptionist or other sort of administrative help you know there's paying the rent and all that kind of stuff and getting a space and buying the kit i mean what, what was that like was that very daunting and
1: very scary yeah i would say it is daunting and scary <laughs> and what i've i've always thought about this and i learned so much i learned by doing mm. and just day to day and uh, finding out things and you know um making mistakes and then finding out how to do things better but I've always thought that it would be good to have a course you know teaching all the things that I've learned because there's so many things about business that I could have known before coming in Mm. even though my father had run his own business and I'd seen that um, that would really help me Um, but you know it was an amazing journey and it's a tough journey but I like that. I like Mm -hmm. the challenge and just creating something of your own and um, it's a great feeling.
0: It is. Well, I had the similar feeling after leaving the BBC about, after about 20 years and then commercial radio before that, because I started in radio and been around and kind of like you, because my dad was in radio right. and so I kind of grew up in it and I didn't really want to do it. I wanted to be a writer or music or whatever, and I just kind of fell into radio because it would always been around it and it's kind of in your DNA. and. So after coming to the UK from Canada in the 90s and working at the original Talk Radio and then moving over to Six Music and starting that and then moving to Radio 2, I kind of got to the point where I'd like to do my own thing. And so in 2019, I set up Pod People and it's exciting, but there's a lot to learn. I just on just running a business side and setting up a company and company's house and all that kind of stuff. And it's exciting in that you're responsible for everything um and you can't pass the buck you know it's there's no boss to answer to or shove the responsibility oh it's not my problem you know he's he's in charge he can deal with it i have to deal with everything which is
1: exciting but it's also very very taxing uh literally yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no as you know you know it's a great feeling and a great achievement and um I think your father was in Canada, right?
0: Yeah, and he still is. Still is there, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about your clients. You alluded to they've been guests uh, on this podcast. Many are celebrities or from TV or from the creative industries like Colette and Tom Trotter and people like that and or in the fitness world. Did you actively seek to get
1: high-profile clients or did that just happen by accident? Uh, one thing I thought while I was doing my work was I thought, you know, I'm creating these amazing smiles, but if nobody can see my work, then how can I really build my reputation and kind of building your reputation and name is everything. Mm. Um, so I had thought about it and thought, Oh, you know, if there was someone in the media out there who, um, would want work done that would work really well and um i was actually in touch with an agent who was the agent of joey essex yeah (laughs) and he was one of my first um patient smiles that i did and um that just kind of took off in a big way and then over time different patients came along and you know uh it 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 was kind of just happened after Mm -hmm kind of building your name and getting known and
0: well i guess that mouth. you they would um if they're well known and people see that and their other celebrity mates go oh wow you look great and, oh yeah i've, I've gone to this new like colette i know is a lot of her friends of course and and colleagues from the music and the entertainment world um so yeah it just kind of builds its own momentum doesn't it
1: exactly um but i think also there's so many patients who I have who are like families and mm. executives and amazing patients who are not in the media or public eye that obviously people don't see, um, but they're also been so amazing for my um, career and they've just uh, really supported the clinic and, it, and that's been fantastic as well. Mm. And I always said that we try to treat everyone like a celebrity in that. Yeah. You know we try to give them the personal experience and and give them the best attention and the best care and how i would want to be treated if i were a patient
0: you know definitely definitely well let's move to your personal life and as i said at the beginning you've reached a kind of a milestone in your life uh
1: dare I say it? <laughs> don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> okay. So, happy birthday, Richard. You turned 40 recently? Yes, I did indeed. Yes, yeah, so um, I turned 40 um, on the 29th of May, which is a big, you know, milestone, as you say. Um, I'm actually happy about it, embracing it. Yeah. Um,
0: well, did you have any trepidation? Because I turned 40 a while ago, <laughs> but we won't go into that. Um, but I I don't remember having any sort of anxiety about turning 40. Just, Did and
1: I know some people do. Um, did you? You know, um, I always have been someone who um, enjoy life and been very focused um, and, you know, had a great time um, building my clinic and doing and having great friends and everything. But um, I was thinking, oh, in the lead up to 40, all the things that had happened in my life. and. One thing that was hard for me was that I, um, split from my long-term partner, Mm. um, 14 years and was divorced. Yeah. And so I never saw myself being divorced at 40, you know, um, with all the other things that, that had happened, but that actually came to be a really defining moment in my life. And, um, I really found the friends around me and my family, and um, now I have a new partner. That's great. (laughs) And I'm really happy in in a great place. So um, that was just one thing that you know, struck me. You no, I never thought to I would be married and divorced by forty. <laughs> uh, we never do, Richard. We never do. Exactly. We, you stand out there, also.
0: Go. This is forever. <laughs> what? Uh, it happens. It happens to the best of us. Um, and as you alluded to, you uh, you have a family who's very supportive and rather
1: big. You've got what. 37, 38 <laughs> siblings or
0: something like that? Your dad's, your dad's got around,
1: hasn't he? My dad, yes. My dad's an amazing person. Yeah. He's the, the playboy. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, there's eight of us um, children. Um, my father has three wives, <laughs> <laughs> uh, on, one at a time, not all together. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, there's eight children. We all actually get along very well um i'm the oldest right and um and how old is the youngest the youngest is 19. <laughs> okay so it's not a, it's not too big a gap <laughs> it's not I guess. too big and, but, well uh, 20 years i guess one great thing is we all go on holiday together we um have like uh, family events together so we're a really close close mm. family which is amazing um but one thing that happened in my life was that my Mother, who was my father's first wife, left when I was quite young, mm. and and kind of completely left. Um, right. So I was around five years old, and I think that, that's quite a tender age to lose your mother. Yeah, and I think it did have a big effect on me. Um, I feel that um, my father, who was around, and also there was my uh, other parts of my family, my aunt and uncle. Mm my mother's sister they were all around for me and i became closer to them and especially you know my father is kind of like a hero and a rock for me Mm -hmm. um but i do understand as well what how my mother left and why um because she just found the breakup so hard and Mm -hmm. kind of had a personal breakdown so um And are you in contact with her now? Yes, yes, yeah, we're reconciled. And she has a new husband of 20 plus years who she's been with. And so, um, yeah, but but she was out of my life for many years, Mm. you know, a a good 25, 30 years. Yeah, so um, that kind of did affect me in in some ways or another, because I think people, you know, are very close to their mother and, it's something that's very central to their life. But.
0: Well, particularly at that age, that's what I mean by a tender age, you kind of, your, your mother is, generally speaking, the kind of the primary character, and just somehow at that age, you, you gravitate to your mom, and I know I did, I'm, a, I'm the opposite, I'm an only child. Mm. Uh, my parents had me <laughs> and said, we're never doing this again. <laughs> um, so I was, I was very, very close to my mom until I was about 16. 17 and then you know I got into that difficult teenage years and I didn't get on with either one of them um, but I was once I got to university age I was much closer to my dad and then into adulthood and my mom died about 12 years ago my dad's still alive but I became much closer to my dad as an adult mm-hmm. whereas as a kid I was very very close and very reliant on my mom mm-hmm. uh, emotionally or just could talk to her about anything mm-hmm. um, and that kind of switched by the time I became an adult it's weird so having a good relationship with your mother at that most formative years, uh, particularly pre-pubescent, is, is quite key. So um, it's good that your dad uh, filled that gap. And obviously, didn't waste any time about getting a surrogate mum in there for you, <laughs> No,
1: I know. No, he's amazing, and he he was amazing. He's an absolute um, inspiration and hero to me. Um, but I still, you know, um, having kind of reconciled with my mother, I realised that... She's the other half of me that my father is not. Um, she has different qualities that, to him. She's a, a very humble person and very much into reading and literature and theatre. Mm. Um, my father's very much into science and he's um, into business and um, mm. uh, different things. So it's like meeting the other half of you Um But I think that some of the things that my mother would have taught me, um, like being domesticated, which Mm -hmm. (laughs) I never still quite Mm -hmm. learned, um, and also that kind of sensitivity, Mm. things that I had to teach myself. um, But it made me strong. It made me a strong person. And um, uh, kind of with our family, the way um, things turned out and my father having all these children, it also brought all the children really close together and Mm. we all look after each other. That's great. And that's really amazing. And there's seven others. Seven uh, others <laughs> from how many mothers? Guess, four? Uh, so three mothers. Three mums. Yeah, and there's actually uh, four boys. He and could four start girls. his own culture, Dad, couldn't he? he? He could, he could. He's Portuguese, partly Portuguese. Um, <laughs> so we sometimes say uh, Portuguese mafia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. Portuguese dental mafia. <laughs> yeah.
0: And you said you you'd like to uh, travel. And uh, another thing that your family loves to do is skiing. Mm, uh, and we say that's your favorite pastime that's not looking at people's teeth
1: Uh, yeah i mean that's one of the best um things for our family um because everybody skis in the family so um it brings everyone together and um we've been skiing from such a young age um, my dad is extremely passionate about it he sometimes even goes more than once in the season and so I've been skiing since I was three. Wow. <laughs> so, but I'm not the best in my family. Some, a lot of the um, younger ones, because they just had to keep up with everyone else. They're mm. even better. And, um, but it's just an amazing thing for us. Um, you know, even my young nephews um, ski and um, we all get together. We all have a great time and being in the mountains and nature, the fresh air and um When everyone's doing an activity, then that holiday, it really brings people together. It's
0: quite a bonding thing
1: when everyone's doing the same
0: thing, isn't it? And the thing about skiing, if you're British, is that you do have to go away. So you're you're there for a long time. So you really get the hang of it. Whereas um, everyone assumes because I'm Canadian, I can ski. (laughs) And I can in that uh, where I grew up and the various places I live in Canada, it was only an hour or two drive before you got up in the mountain, you could ski. So it was something you could do regularly if you wanted, but we did, not like my mom wasn't um Kind at, of active skiing. She, huh? she, she wasn't active at all. My dad wasn't really, he played basketball and he was sporty and, and more athletic, but skiing, and he came from the West Coast. And so he, which, you know, the skiing there in the Rocky Mountains and Whistler and places like that, but he didn't grow up doing it. So we never did, so I'd been skiing about 10 times in my life. Um, and I even lived in Calgary for a while. There was actually a hill in Calgary, you know, which later became the Olympic Park. You know, like a 20-minute drive and you'd be up a mountain skiing. But you really had to be into it, you know. Yeah. And all the stuff that goes with skiing, the skis, the boots. The, exactly. it's, and It's it was hard just, work. It, it is hard work. And I thought, that's this is not for me. No. Um, particularly for... You know, you you could get up at six in the morning, drive for an hour or two, and then by nine o'clock, you'd be on on the slopes. Amazing. And then by seven o'clock, eight o'clock, you'd be home. You you could do it in a day, but it was a lot of work. Of course. And when I first met my... A girlfriend, who came, my wife, and now my ex-wife. When I first took her back to um, North America, we went to Connecticut, where she had family. we were going to a, a bar mitzvah. Her cousin's son was having a bar mitzvah, and I thought, well, we'll go there, and then we'll drive up to Canada to Toronto to see my, to so see me and my folks. And we decided to stop in Vermont on the way. And she goes, oh, I'd love to go skiing. And she said, do you go ski? Have you been skiing? And I go, yeah, of course. She goes, well, how many times? And I go, I don't know, about ten. So she thought, when she go went skiing. You go for a week, so she thought I'd been skiing for ten weeks out of my life. I go no, literally ten times in my life, Uh, ten hours, you know. know. So I wasn't. I was all right. I could ski, but I used to play hockey a lot. Okay, I I can skate better. I can ski, so I can skate. And I kind of damaged my knee. So I went down the hill once, and I just my knee was just like was like rubber, uh, like spaghetti. And I said, okay, I can't do this again. So I spent the rest of the time in the bar while she was on her own. And we, I've never been skiing since that was. 95 96 i've never been skiing since um and i just don't
1: fancy it yeah there's a couple of things from that one when you're skiing um it's always better to relax Mm. and the more you relax the more you can absorb the kind of differences in the terrain and the more uh stiff or anxious you are the more likely you are to fall or um and the other thing is that um it is better when you learn from younger Obviously, yeah. it's harder to learn later, but it's not impossible. No. Um, we have, like, um, my sister's husband and uh, partners who've come into the family and they've learned to ski alongside my family. Um, but I do think there's something to be said for learning when you're young.
0: Definitely. Well, I was eight when I first learned. My aunt, my aunt who was in the skiing, took me. And I picked it up pretty quick because I could skate. So I didn't have... Any issues about staying up? It's just it did. It, um, it was just such hard work doing it. Of course, you and have to
1: you have to love it. You've got to yeah, be
0: passionate you've got to be about
1: in it, it because it is a lot of work.
0: It is, and people I know who who love it, you know, they go away for a week, like you say, a couple times a season, and it's a big thing. You've got to try. You got all the all the kit and all that. um I just never developed that love for it mm. uh, to get over the
1: the hard work. Yeah, Um, yeah. Well, obviously, as you said, you know, you have other sports you like to, walking the dog.
0: (laughs) I love walking Billy, and that's the, because I don't do a gym, and I don't, I don't really play, I can't play hockey anymore. I do skate during, you know, once a year when everyone is a rink around Christmas time. Um, But yeah, my thing is walking and walking Billy, our dog, and and I try and do about five miles with him every morning through hamster teeth. Um, That keeps me... Young and healthy, as exactly, you see Exactly,
1: and in good shape. And in great shape.
0: So what's next for Dr. Richard, with the clinic and, and Dr. Richard, the person?
1: Well, um, I have many plans. Obviously, as we said, um, I've come 40. and <laughs> <now laughs> I'm looking towards the next um, thing. Uh, now, in my clinic, I have a lot of um, associates, um, many of whom are younger than me or around my age and I'm kind of passionate about kind of building a team and um, nurturing the talent and um, helping other people to kind of share in the experience that we've built and so that's an amazing thing building the clinic building a team um, that I want to develop more Um, I'm uh, really happy um, to be doing this podcast and Mm. that's something that you know, it's been amazing. So thank you yeah, for your help. That's the help, correct answer. We keep, keep continuing it's been being fantastic. Going on. And obviously we have that on YouTube as well, yep. which has been, uh, um, I just got back that we had 76,000 oh, views this yeah. month. Wow. alone In one month. So, you know, that's really be building and shows how people really responding and, and loving the podcast and all the things we do, which is great to see um, how people are responding to that. Um, I have written a book, one book, (laughs) and um, I'd like to write more, Mm. you know. um, This is a fiction book, isn't it? It's a fiction book. Right. And I think, you know, there comes a point where it's about giving back. So I think that's the next kind of stage is where you can start to give back, uh, whether it's in teaching people and passing on the skills and knowledge that you have or whether it's about charitable work and, you know, philanthropic things and, um, and even obviously looking after your family and helping them. I've got a 19 year old, uh, younger sister. So kind of giving back and, and doing something with everything. You know, I feel like I've been very blessed and lucky in my life to mm-hmm. get to where I have, but now it's, time for me to um you know help other people and so i think that's going to be really important for me um um how you know i always say every day where we're doing dentistry we you know making people smile or or fixing some teeth so we're always doing something that's very human and and makes you feel great makes you feel like you've done something worthwhile um but i'd love to do even more Mm -hmm. and um yeah, I think that's the important thing. Do you think you'd ever open
0: up a second clinic, or like have a chain? Yeah, like when we had Kumal on about the
1: Tooth Club, you know, yeah. anything like that? Any sort of aspirations to? Yeah, it's it's definitely something that would be a possibility. I think though, um, in life, like I could never have envisaged that I would be here where I am. Mm. You know, um, when I first graduated from university at 18 and life takes you in different directions so you can make a plan and you can have a vision and have an idea but you can never absolutely control your life I think you have to kind of have ideas have aspirations have goals and And then a global pandemic comes along and ruins all your plans for two years. Hello. (laughs) I think it's kind of like almost like surfing. You know, you've got to Mm. take the wave or you've got to take the bend in the river. And those things make life more exciting. So although I have lots of plans and I don't know where things are going to end up, I think that's the exciting thing about it as well. It is exciting. Well, the exciting
0: part of the future, I'm glad to say, is this podcast, which will be continuing. we got some great guests coming up uh, from a variety of uh, walks of life and uh, professions. So thanks for joining us, Richard, on your very own podcast. Thank very you. good of you to make the time for us.
1: <laughs> i'm glad to be here on the podcast on my own podcast
0: there we go <laughs> uh so uh, if people want to um find out more about you richard let's get the old underscores ready
1: yes and- yes um as everyone hopefully knows by now um my um instagram social media handle is at dr underscore richard underscore and then my website is www.drrichardlondon.com
0: lovely and thanks for listening if you like today's show or all the shows we've done so far please rate and review on um, wherever you get your podcast tell all your friends about it listen to the podcast come get your teeth waiting for Richard say that Mike sent you he'll give you 5% off <laughs> One, two, try I'll try, I'll You'll try. try. <laughs> uh, it was a Pod People production presented by me Mike Hanson follow us at Pod People UK it was recorded at Spiritland Studios in the heart of King's Cross, bustling King's Cross, and the music's by Delhi Music. And we will be back soon,
1: won't we, Richard? Absolutely. We'll see you soon. Pod people.